make a deal with Netflix and you don't have money that comes into you forever. You get paid and then money 20% more or 30% more, but you that's it. It didn't come natural to me. There's so many things that I think about now I wish I had known when I was younger. What I believe resonates with people who are particularly now is content that has some sort of meaning to it. It's more than just pure entertainment. And so suddenly MTV was the only thing it seemed in the whole world and all of Hollywood and everybody else was taking their cues from this startup. I did not know a single writer when I became a writer. I think if you're trying to become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to the Entertainment Business Wisdom Podcast with your hosts, Kaya Alexander and Sylvia Franklin. So hi, I am Kaya Alexander. I'm so excited to be here today with my friend, Mike Matavoy. Mike, welcome and thank you so thank much you. for, for thank being you so here. Thank you so much. To talk yeah, about meet Marlon. Meet Marlon. Come here, Marlon. Hi, Marlon. Marlon, come here. Come here. <laughs> Look over there. Hey, Look what buddy. you got. That's that's a movie star right there. The star okay. of the show. Okay. Okay, that's it. Oh, that's all you got. Awesome. <laughs> okay. I can't think of a better way to start a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Mike, I had so much fun uh, going back to review your oh, fantastic book. Yeah. You're, you're only as good as your next one. I had so much yeah. fun like diving back into it. And you guys. Yeah, I mean, I went back. I went back and looked at it because I wasn't as big a fan of that book as I was in my second book. And the second book is more interesting because it's about how you know, foreign policy is affected by, you know, the film business. What's the title of your second book? I don't think I have it. It's um, called American Idol After Iraq. Okay. I want to read it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not so much about me, which is good. <laughs> which I know you like. <laughs> yeah. You have had, you've had such an interesting career, and um, I want I want to talk to you about like where it all started. Like, where did you fall in love with movies and getting into this business? Well, I, I you know I first fell in love with movies when I was a kid, going to the movies in China, you know, and I remember the movies that I saw. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that you know the first movie that I saw actually was a Russian propaganda film. And the second movie, I in think what I year? saw. What year was that? Was that the 40s? It's in the 40s, yeah. 46, 47. Um, then, I, you know, I saw Robin Hood, and I saw it a couple of times. I saw it in Chile and in, and in China. Um, that was the Errol Flynn Robin Hood. The original. Which I loved. And uh, Seahawk. You know, which was great. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, I went to the movies a lot in Chile. And, uh, I, you know, I fell in love with the movies. And, you know, I was I just putting this all together, really thinking about it. You know, I was a history major. And what you what you understand in history as you read it is it's stories. You know, it's a description of stories that happen along the way. 
and it's characters and you follow the characters. So, you know, that's what I, um, you know, what I was able to do and what I was able to bring to the screen, you know, the more stories that I could think of, you know, the 300 and so odd movies are really stories, you know, with interesting characters and interesting people and, you know, actors are playing roles. They're not, you know, they're not um, that necessarily that character. They're they're actually becoming that character on the screen. But it's you know, it's a, it's stories being told. And I mean, what better thing to do in life than be able to tell stories? I totally agree. Yeah. It's got to be like the first question that our Paleolithic like ancestors asked each other, right? Was like, tell me a yeah. story. What happened in your day? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you see the saber tooth cat? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or, yeah. you know, what, what was happening in the world at the time? And, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting because as you get older, you know, starting when I started my career really in this, 60s, you know, 64 is when I went to work at Universal at the in the mailroom. Is that where you started became, before you became an agent? Yeah. So you go to work in the mailroom at Universal. What was that like in the day? Well, it was very interesting because, you know, I was asked, I was a camp director and somebody asked me, um, you know, you know, thank you for taking care of my kids. You did a great job. They, you know, they absolutely love you. Would you be interested in going into the film business? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I went over to Universal thinking that, um, and he set up the meeting there. And uh, they sent me to the um, foreign sales department. And I went up and they didn't have a job. So I went down and I spoke languages. I figured, hey, um, you know, I should be able to get a job, but then, so I went back down and they said, they didn't have a job. Is there anything else? And he said, well, the only place they got is the mailroom. I said, I'll take it. So I started in the mailroom and I, you know, I found a lot of people in the mailroom who were thinking that I was going to be the smartest guy there. Turned out there were a lot of smart guys there. Um, you know, John Badham was in it, uh, uh, Walter Hill, uh, Mark Norman, who won an Academy Award uh, for Shakespeare in Love. I mean, you know, there were all kinds of people that all of them wanting to get out. And they all did eventually. They all did very well. Um, and uh, then I became a casting director. And then, you know, one day I decided I was going to be an agent. And, um, you know, I spent... 10 years as an agent. And then the next 25 years running studios. And then, you know, this, this next 20 years, uh, you know, being more an entrepreneur and uh, producing films. Did you go from being an agent to United Artists? Yes, I did. Tell me about that transition for you and what it, what was happening and what was... Well, I, I, I had no idea what I was getting into, except that I'd rather, you know, work at a studio and run a, 
uh, you know, a studio than I would uh, being an agent. And actually, I was I had actually put together, you know, about five movies before I went to the studio. And, and they all turned out to be big time movies, you know, uh, uh, The Sting, Young Frankenstein, Jaws. You know, there were movies that that made a lot of money, <clears throat> but I wasn't going to see any of that money. So I figured, hey, I got to find a way to do that. So you had packaged those movies. Yeah. 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 So then you went on to United Artists. I know you have a lot of really fond memories working with. I do. I had fond memories. You know, those are usually because you're with people that you really admire and like and respect. And that's basically what that group was. You know, it was a, and they're, they're knowledgeable people, very experienced. In, and, um, you know, in Arthur Krim, I saw somebody who actually had been in politics worked in, you know, worked in the Kennedy White House and and moved in with Johnson. I mean, he was in the White House, living in the White House. And, um, you know, so when it came down to my deciding to spend some time in politics, too, you know, there was a, you know, predecessor, you know, the guy that actually hired me and, and uh, with Eric, um, and um, so, you know, I kind of followed his career. Um, the difference was he owned his own studio, and it wasn't until I started Phoenix that I owned anything. You know, I was always working for somebody else. From UA, you went to Orion with four partners. Well, we started Orion. You started Orion. Same group. You know, and I was there for... I think, uh, I want to say 20 years. You guys, wait, did you start at Sony? Who was your investor? Like, um... Well, no, I didn't start at Sony. I started, um, I started uh, Phoenix, and we made a distribution deal with Sony. With Sony. Who, yeah. who was the primary backer of Orion? Uh, Orion was a, a group out of New York. Um, Phoenix was mainly Jerry Schwartz, although there were other investors. You got to have a lot of decision-making control throughout your career, but you have a reputation also for really keeping the creatives in the driver's seat of the decision-making. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, they, they're doing one thing and I'm trying to do more. You know, if I were just doing one thing and nothing else, I'd probably be dedicated to doing that. Now, you know, could I do it all? Uh, I suppose I could. Do I want to? Uh, depends on what else is on my plate. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're saying you're delegating, essentially, to who has the best yeah. skill set for that particular job. Yeah, do you feel like uh, executives are getting too in the mix with the creative side of things now? Or? Uh, in, some, in some places. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and most of them, you know, unfortunately don't have the experience to do that, except, you know, they, they take notice from other people that are doing it, you know. So you had so many hits with the films that were getting made that are coming out. Did you, what did you start to learn from the successes and the failures as you were going down the road? I don't know. A lot of it was my, you know, my sense of what I thought I wanted to, to make and see. You know, um, that was what's that was what was important. You know, what is it that I I think works? And also, you know, who are the people I'm doing it with? You know, are they talented? Because without them, I don't, you know, nothing. Right. You know, they need me, I need them. Were you looking to what first? The script, the director, the whole package? I think the, the whole package. The whole package. Yeah. But, you know, working with interesting people and talented people, whether it was Jonathan Demi or, or uh, you know, whoever it was, Milos Forman, you know, uh, you know, there's so many really talented people that I've worked with over the years. You know, people that I really, you know, like, admire, Still talk to today, you know, today, the ones that are alive. You know, I'm blessed with a with an interesting life. You know, and meeting meeting interesting people is always part of what you want to do. You know, I mean, I'm 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 clear now that I just turned 80. You know, I'm not gonna be here forever. And frankly, you know, when I'm gone, there's nobody's gonna give a shit about who I am or what I am, except those who I've touched and helped. But even them, they move on, you know, except for maybe my wife and my, my kids. I think that's true for all of us, like in, yeah. a, in a really Buddhist way, you know, it, yeah. for sure. Exactly. Like, and it's what you give them, you know, it's the, it's what, you know, what you do with them and how you teach them to, to appreciate the fact that some one day they're going to be in the same shoes that you're in. Tell me more about that. Well, I mean, you know, they'll arrive at an age pretty much the same way you've arrived at an age and you'll have learned some lessons along the way. You know, did, did you, um, you know, did you do anything that, you regret. Well, you always do things you regret. You know, it's how you handle them. Right. Like being able to make an apology. Yeah. I feel yeah. like there's that, that grace uh, is so important. And a lot of people just don't have it. Like they can't even make an apology. Is it? Well, <clears throat> yeah, they don't even think about it. Sure. 
you know. I, it, there was a story you told in your book, actually, about how something was handled with uh, with Jim, with James Cameron. Mm -hmm. uh, with, was it with Orion when you were with Orion? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, tell a little bit about Termi that. Story. On Terminator. Yeah, it was on Terminator. I mean, you know, he's a certain guy and I'm a certain guy. You know, we're not, I mean, he's a very talented guy. Um, you know, I don't think that he ever uh, was appreciative or thankful. Um, you know, he's got his own problems. I may have mine. And, um, you know, he's he bring, keeps bringing up the same thing each time about, you know, how Arnold got the job. Didn't they also want the, the, the ad in the trades, like the congratulatory placement in the trades? I don't remember. There was a, a memorable story from your book where they had requested that they be um, congratulated by the company in the trades, and one of your partners mm -hmm. refused to do it. Yeah. That's okay. Well, it's, it's possible. I mean, um, you know, they, they could have had the second Terminator at Orion, but they refused to give uh, Arnold the $10 million he wanted, which was a mistake, but, um, you know, look, there were, there were a bunch of mistakes and there were a bunch of, you know, times when we could have done some things that we wound up not doing. Yet there's and just there were, incredible and there were, there were times when, when they were wrong, you know, cause I needed to get their assent. And there, and there were times when they were, right probably you know we'll never find out but you know there are a number of times i was wrong too so you know it's it's the um you know as i said the book is you know 100 great ones of 100 in the middle and 100 somebody should have shot me before i did <laughs> but some of which you know i didn't have much to do with it except you know, sit there and and uh, put it as part of our distribution apparatus. Tell me about what happened in the 90s with how the um, price tag on hiring the stars really started to change and redefine and shape the movie business in a whole new way. What happened? Well, I mean, you know, eventually... You know, stars became the the angle from which these movies get sold. You know, as opposed to in in you know, let, let's face it. You know, there was a time when everybody was under contract to a studio. You know, all the actors were. I mean, MGM has that famous photograph. You know, uh, you know, all the stars in the heaven. You know, um, that that was lost. The lawyers took over. And now, of course, you know, you've got the same problem because you make a deal with Netflix and you don't, you know, you don't have money that comes into you forever. Uh, you, you get paid and then, you know, you make whatever money, 20% more or 30% more, but you, that's it. I mean, I, I will continue to get monies from 
you know, Black Swan or, you know, these other movies that I've been involved with, The Back Ends, which is, is great. <clears throat> Are you saying that that element of it, the residual of the back end is starting to drop off with the streamers? Yeah. Yeah, there is no back end. There is no back end for yeah. anybody. The, lawyer, the lawyers will figure out how to do this. <laughs> figure out how to climb into it. But they haven't yet. Talk to me about the kind of team that a creative needs to have around them, whether it's a writer. I think. Um, I think who it, do they need? Well, the, the creatives need the people that work with them, as was in the case with uh, both Marsha Nassiter and Barbara Boyle, who worked with me. Notice I said with me, but not for me. And, um, you know, and, the, and the, the filmmakers, and those are important. You know, uh, the directors, the writers, you know, the whole package, the, the budget, you know, all those things are important. The five elements are, you know, cast, producer, director, script, and budget. Let's talk for a minute about the young creatives starting out, or even the young executives, aspiring mm -hmm. executives starting out. What right. advice do you have for them? You know, there's such a big shift in all of our lives. Um, you know, I mean, today I was talking about this, I think it's called NFT art. You know about this? I don't. It's um, it's art that gets sold as a um, on 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 the um, on your computer. Digital? No, I did Digital hear about art. This. I read yeah. about this in the New York Times actually a couple of days yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, it's like people are paying forty and fifty million dollars for this stuff. It's and it seems pretty crazy. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, what happened to Picasso and to uh, Da Vinci and, and all those other people? Um, yeah, when it became a banana duct taped to a... Yeah, well, <laughs> well, Andy Warhol was an interesting thing. I mean, I, I didn't look at, I didn't think of Andy Warhol as an, as a, uh, as an artist when I first saw it. You know, uh, I was wrong. Misjudged it. I haven't, I haven't misjudged that much, but that's <laughs> a pretty one. good track record. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm pointing out my mistakes too. Talk to me about your relationship with your own intuition or your gut instinct, and like what drives your decision making. Um. Well, again, you know, I like t telling stories. So if it's a good story, you know, I'm going to try to figure out if there's a way to tell it in some form that's going to reach an audience, you know. And in today's world, you reach an audience through the Internet, you know, actually a larger audience. Yeah, no doubt. And it's not only about getting to the audience, right? It's about making sure that nobody loses money. What do you think about the rise of like, you know, YouTube and TikTok and all these, you know, the, ki the kids who are really watching this whole new uh, range of talent that's coming from a different place? Um, 
You know what? I think that um, in today's world, it's it's good. It's important for them. We're talking about your yeah. intuition. And I know you have like a superpower in who to put together. And I really want you to talk about that a little bit. I think that, that um, all of us have instincts. All of us have feelings. And the less it becomes about us, but the more it becomes about all of us, you know, more inclusive we are. And a lot of it, I think there is something that I find really kind of interesting because if I were to say that there are, what are the things that you think are not the best thing about you, right? And that's an important factor in finding out about yourself. Um, I think there's a lot of pride, especially now, say, you know, about what I've done. I think I have a tendency, if I'm not thought of as being um, you know, um, straightforward and honest by somebody, I immediately just take them off my list. There's no reason for me to continue in that relationship, whether it's male, female, or whatever. Um, and, and in a way, it's kind of interesting because you tend to personalize it. You take it personal. It may not be personal, and it may be the other person. You know, it's somebody who doesn't tell you the truth. I mean, I'm particularly bothered by people who are not straightforward and honest. Me too. Because pretty soon you know. <clears throat> you know who they are. Yeah. And you know what they are. And, um, you know, you move on. Life That's where your on. life's too short philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by the way, and they've been, you know, as, as the book points out, there have been mistakes about people. You know, if I'd stayed with some of them, I would have been better off, but I didn't like the way they behaved. And I said, Hey, you know, let's keep moving. You, you move your life and I'll move mine. What about a, like, let's talk for a second, hypothetically about a creative who really needs to make money and they're stuck with like a rep or an agent, a manager, somebody who is not treating them so well. Uh, what do you, what do you, what would you advise a creative? Well, I think they both have, they both have the decision, right, to, to do, to make. And that is, hey, do I, do I trust this person enough that I'm going to put my life at stake with them or not? Or do I move on? And the same as goes for the rep. And the rep says, hey, you know, I don't think that guy's going to make it. You know, I may say, hey, I don't think you ought to be under contract to a studio because they're not paying you enough. And if you want to be a movie um, star or movie director, you know, move on, move out of there and let's get something else going. Take a chance. Well, 
not everybody wants to take a chance. Do you feel like it takes courage? And have you cultivated that courage in your life consciously? Yeah, I think I think I've yeah, I've got I've had I've had courage to do the things that I want to do, some of which have not been great and some which have been terrific. You know, it's look, I'm I'm here, right? It's 80 years later or 57 years that I've been in the business, you know, I mean, you know, I, I now, I was just thinking about this kid I just made a deal with that I've known since he was a, a, a wee kid, you know, and he said to me today, and I didn't even realize it, he's 50 years old and I've known him since he was a baby. Wow. You know, and, um, you know, it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy for him. You know, he's a, a, he was a great kid and he's a, you know, a great adult. Talk to me about that kind of resilience. Cause I know you've had open heart surgery too. Like you've come back yeah. from so much. Yeah. I mean, I just I was thinking about it last night. I was, um, uh, I got, I think, uh, a year and eight or nine months before I have to get my battery on my pacemaker, you know, redone. And I was thinking, well, that's one way to go. You just uh, lay down, they change the battery, and they put the wrong battery in or whatever, you know. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> who, who knows? I mean, you know, there's, you know, lots of different things that are part of the equation, you know, I think about, you know, what, what can I do before then? You know, what can I do to leave all the things in some sort of order, you know, both for my wife and my kid? I mean, it's great to see Nick, you know, he's 23, he's got his own apartment, just graduated from UCLA. You know, he's, uh, Got a nice girlfriend. Um, you know, want to know where he's going to be, you know, four or five years from now. It's great. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, to leave something. Well, you've left also the legacy of the incredible films that you've made for all the decades. Yeah. Tell me, like, a story that you hold close to your heart from your career. Um, I, there's so many that I don't, I don't want to single one out. You know, the book actually is a pretty good explanation of a number of them. I was thinking I actually made a list of the films that I've been involved with or been involved with in the release of them. And... Um, and when I look at that list, I mean, I look at this wall and there's 18 Academy Award nominations and there's seven Academy Awards. And I look at the clients that I had, I made a list of my clients the other day. And I thought, is that list up there, Griffin? Yeah, let me grab it. Yeah. I look at that list. I mean, uh, the movies are, movies are pretty good. You know, when you think about all of these that are on this wall. Do you, you, you rewatch them ever? 
Uh, not really. I mean, you know, there's Raging Bull, Amadeus, you know, Hannah and Her Sisters, Silence of the Lambs, Network, Rocky, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Lenny, Coming Home, Apocalypse Now, etc. And I'm like, you know, here's my Mike's client list. And they're not all here, I know. Donald Sutherland, Tony Bill, John Milius, Steven Spielberg, Terrence Malick, Jean Moreau, Francis Coppola, Hal Ashby, George Cukor, Sam Fuller, Gene Wilder, Carol Rice, Michael Ritchie, Lindsay Anderson, Robert Aldrich, Tony Richardson, Jane Fonda, Raquel Welch, Antonioni, Warren Oates, Jim Frawley, Michael Crichton, Peter Boyle, Haskell Wexler, Monty Hillman, Paul Mazursky, Olivia de Havilland, Marty Feldman, Diane Baker, Gila Pontecorvo, James Taylor, Alan Arkin, Irvin Kirshner, Dean Stockwell, Bob Rafelson, Mary Travers, Gina Lilla Brigida, Jean-Louis Trentignon, Carl Eastman, Waldo Salt, Howard Koch, the writer Bill Withers, and Scott Mamaday, Robert Downey Sr., James Poe, Leslie Caron, Susanna York, Denny Pettyclair. I mean, those are not all of them, too. I just got I can't remember. Can't remember all of them. So as I hear that list, I'm also reminded like that it was really a much more male-dominated business coming through the decades. And we're starting to see that change now with more women, yeah. more yeah, more women, there are people of color, more people of color than you know. I mean, I had a deal with uh Denzel and and Sydney and I have been friends for a long time. You know, but that was another era. Do you feel like it's starting to change now and the change is more permanent? It'll be lasting? I think there's going to be, at some point, it'll even out, so to speak, you know, 50-50. People of color and gender and, you know, the rest of them. What was your personal feeling about like the Me Too movement? And ha have you seen change happen with the rise of Time's Up and some of the yeah, uh, there, there's, initiatives there, there's, created on the there's back change. Yeah, there's change. There's more opportunity, I think, for others. Um, but there is also more of a desire, you know, of women to be a part of it. I don't know that they ever had the desire because it wasn't something that was there for them, you know, nor were they wanting to do it. I don't know if they did or didn't, but. It wasn't like normalized. That wasn't. Well, you can think not. of, you know, you think of Ala, Ida Lupino being one of the, you know, one of the early directors, female directors. You know, she was a very good director. Um, you know, could, was she Billy Wilder? No. Was she Freddie Zinneman? No. Um, you know, could she work? Yeah, she could and did whenever she decided she wanted to do it. So, what, know, advice, so what advice would you give the young creatives who are starting out, like who really want to direct, who really want to write, who want to break in? What do you tell people when they say they want to break in? What advice do you give them? Um, go to it, you know, go fight it, go fight it out, go do do whatever it takes to get it done and do it and do it really well and inventively, 
intuitively right and then live with the consequences. Do you feel and like you may get and you may get lucky or you may be really unlucky because you'll wind up being distributed badly, being handled badly. You know, um, I mean, I've, I've done things that I thought were pretty good that got mishandled. Mm. You know, Zodiac being a perfect example of it. A lot comes down to the marketing, whether people even find that. Yeah, or the amount of money that they spent sure. getting through it, you know. I mean, you got to be gotta be really lucky. You Talk know. to me about that combination of like luck versus talent and what has to happen. Well, I think, I think it's, it's, you probably need everything going for you. Time of the year, personnel involved. You know, I, I remember moments when my marketing people used, used to come in hating something that they'd seen. Um, in one in particular, I remember uh, that happens to be on this wall, I'm sure. Uh, it was called Coming Home. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Coming Home. You know, they hated it. You know, it was the Vietnam War. You know, it's a, they said it's, a, you know, it's shameful that you made this movie. It's against the uh, grain of the, of the country and it's anti-American. The marketing people came in and said this too. Yeah, yeah. Where, where were you then? Well, I was at UA and uh, and I uh, called my partners in New York and I said, hey, just need you to know that they hated the movie. He said, send them home. Tell them their job is to uh, sell the movie and not, you know, tell us what's good and what isn't. I really appreciate your time with me today. And I got one last question for you, Mike. Okay. I want to know what you think uh, goes into great negotiating. What have you learned about negotiating? And you've had a mighty career. Uh, you know what? I think uh, there are two things. You got to have a lot of guts, you know, you got to, and, and value yourself. Right. Um, I went to a meeting once that Freddie Fields who was running the agency at one time, and it was about making a deal for Robert Goulet to star in a movie. And I walked into that meeting thinking Robert Goulet, you know, should be happy with whatever money he gets because he needs to work. And when I walked in, Freddie Fields was asked by the head of the studio at the time, you know, what are you looking for? And he said, a million dollars. And I thought, either I laugh here or I laugh on my way out the door. And the guy said, okay, you got it. Now, what I learned there was, hey, you know, ask for, <laughs> ask for the moon. You may be able to get it.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You may be able to get your shocked, huh? Yeah. What was yeah. the other thing? That was number one. What was number two? Well, um, you know, it's it's not asking for what you think you're worth, which has happened to me quite often over the years. And it's, you know, I never I never really thought of money as being the driver for anything. I figured if I did it well enough, sooner or later I'd be recognized and I would make the money that I wanted to do, you know, to get. And, you know, I can think of mistakes that I've made. Um, and And I know what they are. You know, one of them is not value myself the way I should have been valued because I was more interested in being around the people that I really liked, you know? And it's interesting because one of them who died not long ago said to me, you know, the one mistake we made is not to make as much money as we we should have made. And I, and I was really interested in, in who said it because it was, he, he's the guy that I would have depended on getting more money, you know, and he, at the end of it, he was in his last few words, he was saying he didn't get the money that we should, he should have gotten. And <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, I wasn't thinking about money. You weren't thinking about money. You were thinking no. about who you wanted to be, who you liked, who you wanted to be with. Yeah. That's true about life in general, I think. Who do you want to spend time with? You know, and can you? You know, is it is it uh, is it worth it? You know, I love there's a, there's a beautiful um, you you know who uh, Wolfgang von Goethe was, right? Yeah, sure. Who wrote, yeah, who wrote Faust? Well, his epitaph reads, "My greatest triumph was my friends." Yeah. And he was famous in his lifetime. And for him to put that on his tombstone, I always just, yeah. I love that. Like, that's what life is worth living for. You bet. You bet. Mike Matavoy, I love you. It's so great to see you. Thank you for love spending you too. your afternoon with me. You look, you look great. Thanks. You know, hang in there. <laughs> always. We okay. appreciate your time. Griffin, thank you. How do we do? Griffin uh, is in the other in his office. Okay, well, okay. thank you for stitching it all together. Have a great rest. Take of care. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe, like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander and Sylvia Franklin can be found on Twitter for your questions and comments. Kaya at 
This is Kaya, T-H-I-S-I-S-K-A-I-A. And Sylvia at R-Writer. That's R-W-R-I-T-E-U-R. Get career training and a free ebook, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you.